I am a sick man. I am a spiteful man. I am an unattractive man. I believe my liver is diseased. I felt them positively swarming in me, these opposite elements. They drove me to convulsions and sickened me. I did not know how to become anything, neither spiteful nor kind, neither a hero nor an insect. Now I am living out my life in my corner, taunting myself with the spiteful and useless consolation even if I had had magnanimity, I should only have had more suffering from the sense of its uselessness. It is only the fool who becomes anything. The whole principle falls into dust. Tom and Steve listen to the spirit of the age. All they hear is notes from Blunderground. Thank you for joining us today on Notes from Blunderground. My name is Tom, and I'm with my wingman, Steve. How you doing? Hey, we are here today to cover the week that was in Twitter. Uh, some of the uh, some of the more interesting stories, uh, some things we can talk about uh, from the world of Twitter, or as we like to call it, Blunderground. Uh, you can check out our uh, our series on Notes from Underground, the novel by Freudor Dostoevsky. Uh, you can check that out at our podcast. The uh, the Blunderground Railroad, and uh, we can check that out. Uh, we talk about the underground man and about the nature of the modern individual. Uh, but uh, the modern individual meets our delicate sensibilities every Friday here on Notes from Blunderground. And today we're on my Twitter feed. Um, interesting little tweet here, Steve, from a guy, uh, Kyle Becker. Uh, Kyle Becker is an independent journalist, and... He kind of, uh, I'm not sure if he got much of the credit for it. I know that um, this, he was the first person that I saw to begin this narrative. Uh, and it kind of started, kind of started a lot, about a week ago, last weekend. So we've given the Ukrainians about, uh, I want to say, $100 billion. Yeah, like 113 Yeah, it's about 113 About 100 Who's counting? Hundred and thirteen not the government. Yeah. hundred and thirteen <laughs> billion dollars. Yeah. Uh and so if so let's put some comparisons here, okay? So if you were to account for inflation and you were to um uh, look at that money in terms of, of how it existed back after World War Two, mm-hmm. we have spent as much money on the Ukrainian war as we did on the Marshall Plan. That's disgusting. All right, yeah. So for those who don't know, the Marshall Plan is uh, how the United States is the plan to rebuild all of Europe and establish NATO back in the middle of the 20th century. So we spent as much money to basically rebuild all of Europe, and we're basically just throwing it away at a war which effectively is unwinnable. Now, uh, so uh, that's kind of the point that Becker is making here. So one of the things that he says here, he says in the tweet, I'm sick and tired of the lack of footage of the Ukraine war. I worked in cable news. I am initiated. If it bleeds, it leads. Where is the war footage? Where are the Pulitzer Prize winning photos? This smacks of a scam and the American people are fed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he, I, go ahead. he's, he's uh, I, I don't know why um, 
People think he's the first person to say it. I mean, I I said this a month ago. I'm not sitting here saying I was even first. I'm sure there were people yeah. before me that were saying it. Sure. You know, you get Zelensky comes out in the exact same sweatshirt, you know, every single time. Yeah. He's on TV constantly. What was he prior to being president of Ukraine? Right. He was an actor. Yeah, right. Like, look at Biden's history with Ukraine. I mean, I'm not even political. I don't care about left, right, but I don't think there sure. is a left or right. But I've... I thought we were being played from the start. It looks just like it. Well, one of the things that's very interesting here is that because the immediate reaction to Becker when he said this was uh, exactly what you were saying. is was a conspiratorial. People basically are saying, well, you know, Kyle Becker is saying that uh, the war is fake and it's all conspiracy. And that's not really what he's saying. And, and I think that's really what's damning. You know, one of the things that's very poisonous about our discourse uh, today is that people exist on either side, right? Like, either, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Like, everything mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a conspiracy, right? Like, listen, it's entirely possible to say that you don't hear, you don't, all right, the kind of coverage that you see, like, and, and Twitter, uh, okay, so Twitter has responded to this by giving a bunch of links, all right? We have one, two, three, four, five. I think I can see eight links. Uh, these are links that uh, uh, that are on the ground in Ukraine, and they cover the war in Ukraine. Who but, provided those? The uh, Twitter did, yeah. Right. But, yeah, no, and so, uh, see, here's the thing, is even if you don't go all the way to conspiracy, and you don't have to, mm. that... I'd still like that line here's, to find, yeah, but here, okay. Here's the thing, is back in Vietnam, right? I mean, on every news, you know, why aren't we, why don't we hear, why don't, you never hear uh, anything about the Ukrainian war that's beyond the intellectual level of like a nine-year-old, right? I mean, you don't, like, I, every time you hear about Ukraine, like, I, I got sick and tired of it because when we the, when the Russians invaded and then... You know, you're kind of waiting, and 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 you can go and 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 uh, every time that you're reading something that is beyond surface level, you know, like people that put the flag in their bio, or they have like something on there, on, <laughs> they they put like the little sign on the lawn or whatever, yep, or they clap like seals whenever somebody mentions like uh, Zelensky's name or whatever. Like if you, uh, that's fine, but if you get beyond that, anytime you're reading things that are that are that are are more intellectually grounded. The whole thing just seems like a mess, and it just—it's obvious to anybody with two brain cells to rub together that this is an untenable situation. It's unwinnable, and that they got to compromise and figure it out, and then we gotta—we gotta be able to move on. We gotta split this country. We gotta be able to move on, right? Mm-hmm. Probably split it ethnically, and then you know, case sera, sera. People gotta have their ego stroked and then get out, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have to go to Harvard to figure that out, right? Yeah. So, but then you go, and then you can't. You go and you look, and then you can't. Everything you're right. I mean, Zelensky's he's always talking about the same thing, and then also too, like there's never, there's never any nuanced views here. You know, like the other day, like uh, Zelensky was saying, I think you saw this probably. Um, he was talking about Americans like going to war, uh-huh. and then he was saying, uh, he says, well, if Ukraine falls, then Russia's gonna, you know, it's gonna be Poland, it's gonna be all of Eastern Europe, then it's gonna be all of Western Europe, and then the Americans are gonna have to do it, right? Yeah. Well, like, like this view is like such. There's no view here, you know. Like the Russians are not capable. Like the Russians, the Russians are not capable of of forming a. uh, 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 They're not capable of forming that kind of a of a war front. They're not. Who's fighting for the Russians right now? Do you do you know who's on the front lines? Uh, uh, For the Russians, Uh it's got to be teenagers at this point, or is mercenaries? So so they they have that Wagner or Wagner or whatever you want to call them, mercenary group. Yes, there's like a mercenary group. Yeah, yeah, great, grand, wonderful them. But you know that? Do you know the bigger 
uh, group that's out there. Yeah, okay. And actually, they may be they might they might be falling under the flag of of Wagner Wagner. They literally emptied their prisons. Yeah, that's right. So I I joked about this like during the Iraq War. Sure. You okay. know, I'm over there like sweating and, and getting blown up and stuff. Right. And I'm like, man, like there's people in jail for murder right now. You get three hots in a cot and air conditioning, living better than me. Right. Yeah. This sure. Is, you know what we should do, man? We should just bring them over here, right. and if you survive, boom, you get a pardon. Yep. That's literally what Russia's doing that, right that's now. That's what they're doing. It's very interesting. They're saving all of their reserves. They're saving all of their active duty troops. So if mm. anybody out there has done like I have and gone, hmm, let me think. Why is the arguably the third at worst? Uh, leading world power in the military, uh, why are they not able to walk over a tiny little country that's begging us for bullets? It's because they're, I don't know, smartly, I guess, emptying their prison systems first and just kind of, like, here, go get what you can, soften them up a little bit, wear Mm. them out. Yep. You know, like, who? what country actually fights a war like that? After all of the conspiracy talk, if people want to call it, of depopulation and all that, yeah, who would you want to get rid of first? I don't know. I guess if you're some sick psycho, you'd want to get rid of your prison inmates first. I mean, that would make sense. So, yeah, yeah send them over there and tell them, you know, yeah, you'll get a pardon if you do well and, and you come back. Yeah. But the thing is, they're not actually getting that. They're getting shot. Yeah, they're getting shot, yeah. Yeah, at, at the end. So it's like, good job, you made it. We're still executing you anyway. Right, right. Right, so they don't even want to go, but they're being forced to because it's like, we can kill you now or you can go and live for a year and we can kill you then. Take yeah. it back. So that's what they're using. That's why they're not making much headway. But nobody will come out and like, say this, say this. Like, you'll never see this on like CNN or something. Right, yeah. You know? And I, I think that has a lot to do with this lack of coverage because I, I think that it's really kind of damning. You know, I, a lot of people these days in the modern age, they don't know how to exist beyond narrative. Like, there's not enough power, there's not enough intellectual power, or there's not enough. And, and maybe that's a bad term. If I use a bad term, maybe I did, but no, there's no, not. It's, it's exa- you're exactly right. You know, there's not, there's just, there's, there, there's not, maybe, and maybe it's time time. Maybe people do our crunch for time. People don't have the space to be curious and go after this stuff. And it's not given to you. But that's Becker's point, which is that this stuff could be curated by journalists, put on the news, and be put out there for you in an honest, in an honest way that would be that that is uh, that is formed uh, by fair intellectual nuanced thought. No, instead, if you want to know it, you got to go out and find it yourself. I mean, this and, and every other topic for the last uh, pretty much yeah. years, and and that is what and it is. I think that's one of the biggest differences is that when I was a kid and I was younger. We used to get information, it seemed, and then you used to be able. You had to, you had to figure out what you're going to do with the information you were given. And some people complained. They said, "Oh, we're not getting the right information." But you still got information, right? Yeah, but did we? Yeah. Or or were we just not able to figure out the other side of it because we didn't have the internet? Because remember, Pearl Harbor even mm-hmm. was instigated by us. Yeah, and it's uh, that's a very good point. Actually, it is a very good point, and it's kind of impossible to tell. Uh, but that's a it's a fair point. And um, it's now in the age of the internet, the internet is here. It's almost like we've segregated society into two stratospheres. You're like, well, you got this big group over here, and these are all the people that work and live and love, and they got they got stuff to do, you know. And <laughs> um, and uh, so these people, like, they're going to get the narrative. And then you got these other people over here. These are people that like, you know, they podcast at you know one thirty in the afternoon, and you know they don't have they have much going on, you know. So then these people can, you know, they can dig a little deeper and see that like all this stuff makes no sense right i mean none of it makes any sense that's, that's man not have it 
I don't have the time to find out the truth. Now that, mm, yeah, I don't know anybody with less time than you. Yeah, well, I guess that's true. <laughs> and yeah, you're that's able true, to no. like think through this even more than I am. So. Yeah, well, that's you know, lazy. The thing is, it's funny because now that this tweet has come out, I've seen a lot more uh, of the, um, the the war footage, and I've seen a lot more footage. But even the footage, a lot of it doesn't make sense. One of the the scenes I saw, I saw this footage of the Ukraine. And it's this huge field, like the camera. It's this massive, it's a big camera, and you can see this massive field. Uh-huh. I mean, this field is like one of the. It's a big field. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest fields like I've ever seen, right? Yeah. And so, um, it like, I mean, it's just huge. And then they say, okay, here comes the watch for the tank. You know, it's a big thing. You're supposed to see this really impressive tank. You're like, oh, okay, we're gonna see this tank. This is gonna be a big thing. So you're waiting, you're watching for the tank. Here comes the tank. You know, tank like a little bit, little tiny dot in the mm-hmm. big field, right? And like. The tanks like literally crossing the field, like that's the whole video. You know, it's you're supposed to it's like you're supposed to have all these complex emotions about the war in Ukraine, watching this singular tank like go across. It's like, didn't the you guys learn anything in the world from, from faking the moon landing? Like, you guys, <laughs> right. you think you'd be better at staging this stuff? Right, right. I'm like, man. I'm like, if I was a soldier, like, man, is that this old war is like Steve? Like, you, you gotta like you sit on here, like. All right, all right, private, get on that hill and watch that tank, and you're going to spend about 45 minutes watching the tank go across the field. We all met in one area, actually, and uh, we were told, don't fight outside these lines. It was kind of like dodgeball, you know? Oh, is that right? Yep, you stepped out of bounds, you were out. Yeah, <laughs> It's ridiculous, man. Like dodgeball. Well, it's like our... our pr- you want to talk about scenes that we see over there? Sure. Kiev, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sirens going off. Oh, no, I know. That incoming. Just, yeah, I know. And we have our president just standing out in the middle of the open like well, nothing's happening. Well, and the thing is, is when the president's walking, it's you don't look at the president. Look at the Secret Service guys, right? Because the Secret Service guys are like, they're cool, man. These guys, like, they got no worries. Like, they're walking around and the the siren goes off. Right. Ooh, here comes the siren. Those Secret Service guys, man, they are cool. Like, they got no worries, man. They're just like, they're just chilling. Right, you know? like it didn't alarm them. Yeah, you know, like you think that if the siren goes off, the Secret Service guys would be the first guys to be like, "All right, Mr. President, here's the deal. Here's where we're going. Here's where here's what's going to happen." Right? They don't. They don't. They didn't care unless they knew about it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right I think there's that. a whole lot of secrets going on in that service. Well, you know, the thing is, it's 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 funny because I I did see something on Twitter. Uh, I didn't retweet it, but it was interesting that somebody. Um, Somebody had posted a picture, and I, it was one of those owns, but it wasn't really an own. You know how sometimes people try to do something to own you, but they kind of prove your point? Fail. So, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. The, the the one guy posted a picture of these buildings in Kiev, and he goes, well, these are pictures of buildings in Kiev. And he goes, these are built the, because supposedly this area was um, was uh, was uh, was uh, assaulted, and so it was a war zone. But you can see these buildings look perfect. They look great, you know? And um and so anyways, uh, another person came in and they're like, oh no no, I'm gonna own you. You're like, no, this is a picture of the buildings when it was at war. But those buildings have now been repaired, and now they look brand new again because they've already been repaired, you know. And they shows the pictures, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about it. I go, man, you know. What kind of a war zone has construction workers who are repairing buildings, you know? Like, you can get your house fixed, you know? The Truman Show, maybe? I guess. I mean, right? Like, I don't know. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, so if a missile comes down and destroys your house, right? And then, you know, after you get done and it's a war zone, probably the first thing you're going to do is you're going to call, like, you know, you're going to call your buddy uh, Brown's uh, Construction uh, down the street there and be like, hey, Johnny, can I have you and your crew come down a couple days and start reconstructing my house, you know? Because, you know, it got blown. Well, what did happen? It got blown up by a missile oh yeah. no problem no problem steve i'm gonna be over in two days we'll go and get you get russia hit it with a sidewinder that's right you know no big deal i mean i guess if you get 113 billion dollars you know whatever 
I guess, right? Maybe, but you I mean, build so whatever you want, man. You're right. You know what? I guess you got 113 billion. I guess it doesn't really matter. You you pay a bunch of people and get in there and build back better, baby. Build, build it. <laughs> build back better in Ukraine, <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, build back better in Ukraine. We ought to go to Detroit and try that. It'd be nice. But I think that it just is. It is the narrative. It's not healthy for society, you know, because we don't. We're not talking about things as we are, and I think that's where the government could control the narrative. So even when you go back to Vietnam and you see that there is this narrative, we can look back on it now. Yeah. Uh, but now you have all these things that are happening in real time. I mean, we don't, uh, and, and that's one of those things that's interesting that how even though we give like 113 billion, it's not real money. That's why we don't do those things at home. Right. That's when, right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like people always say, like, well, we'll give a billion dollars to Ukraine. Why don't we give a billion dollars to our citizens? Well, we don't. Because it's we, called inflation. Well, you never could, yeah, because the money would actually have to be actualized, right? Like that's when right. we give a billion dollars to Ukraine, we're not giving them money. What we're doing is we're giving them equipment that's worth a billion dollars. Right. But then we're, we're telling them that if they win or they remain insolvent, then at some point they're going to have to pay us back, and they're going to have to pay us back in cash. Right. Mm-hmm. Or in natural resources that are the equivalent of cash. Right. So when you're doing all these things, it's all a Ponzi scheme. It's all scheming. And we do this we do this uh, through things like, for example, the infrastructure bill. Right. Yep. Like how the the infrastructure bill has uh, allowed us to be able to uh, to mint money and to be able to actualize certain amounts of money. But yet that doesn't all happen at one time. And it doesn't always happen for infrastructure either. You know, like maybe some of it gets done early and then other parts of it get done later. So it's all a big Ponzi scheme. Ron Paul used to talk about this all the time. You know, like he'd say, well, you know, you can't just have a, the people say, well, why don't we give this money to the American people? And he'd say, you couldn't do that. Like you, you're not going to like send everybody in the world a check and then they're all going to go you turn it into cash and spend it you'll get hyperinflation like a day you know (laughs) but yet you can do it overseas because you're not really you're not really minting money what you're doing is you're just you're basically using money as an abstraction of international military power and you're basically just like shoving people around using the money to keep track of how many pokes you've given to you that's right done you know yep that's that's a that's a good analysis of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah really I is. I don't know a better way to explain it. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no. And that's the thing, you know. It's like, yeah, you can't you can't just do it. So we say all these things, and that's where it gets really creepy, you know, because you'll be listening to a smart guy like on the news, and they'll talk like that way, and you think, man, there's no way that they, they got to know, like they know that it's not the way it is. Yeah, and if and, nobody, you know, someday if uh, nobody presses the nuke button on this uh, whole thing we got going on here, oh, we'll man. be able to look back at this and imagine the laugh we're going to have. Oh, man. If if our grandkids get to study this someday, they're going to yeah. think we're idiots. Like, how did they not see this? Their president was involved in Ukraine just a few years before. Yeah, no, and it's really true. It's really true. And the, the, the thing is, is, is that... I wonder if that has to do with a lot with the military because they're having such problems with the recruiting for the military. And I think that what doesn't get said is that this inform- – and you can confirm or deny this more than I can. But, you know, is that this kind of understanding is more well-known now and it's more – it's permeated through the lower ranks in the military. So that you can kind of – a lot of people don't want to serve anymore because they're kind of more aware of how things work. Like they're not thinking like they're going to go overseas and they're fighting for freedom. You know, it's not like George W. Bush said, well, they hate us because we're free and prosperous, right? Yeah, well, if you remember the huge wave of patriotism we had after 9-11. Yes, I certainly do. Yep. Right? So it's it's kind of, it's no different than uh, World War II. And I hate to keep going back to the Pearl Harbor thing, but yeah. the point I'm trying to make is the support for getting involved in World War II in, in the public, as you know, was uh, 
low. Let's just say that. Yes, yeah, so it was. No, Extremely actually. Extremely low. People don't understand this. It's kind of been lost to history. Uh, but you can go back and you can look at, um, they do a lot of news footage from before uh, Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty stark, uh, the, some of the interviews that they give. I mean, the people, the, a lot of people in, like, say, for example, middle America, you know, uh, in the flatlands. Like, those people, they knew what was going on. They were articulate about it, and they were adamant, right? Very. I mean, they're like, they knew what was going on. They're like, yeah, you know what? We have these problems, and Europe's got the problems, and they're going to, they've got made their bed. they got to lie in it, and Europe's problems are Europe's problems. That's right. Yeah. We're, we are very much a nationalist country, though people want to refer to that as racist. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which Vladimir Putin is, I'm not sitting here waving a flag on in support of anybody, but Vladimir Putin, yeah. his position is very nationalist he is not about getting in other people's business he doesn't want anybody in his business and so right now what we have is we have the same thing we've had for pretty much every single war which is a lack of support so that's why people are not joining the military Mm. um everybody saw how long afghanistan went on saw iraq all we went into iraq for was to replace saddam hussein with a friendly uh, more american friendly uh, leader, which that didn't work out at all. Like George Bush came on, and was like mission accomplished, and then, uh, like, eighteen years later, people were still campaigning on the promises of getting our people out of there. Mm. I mean, it's it's crazy. So nobody, yeah, nobody, of course, wants to be a part of that. So right now, what do we need? Well, we need American support again, and that's what worries me. Is what are we gonna? Where are we gonna get that from? Mm. Something has to happen. Yeah, right. Because we've tried. To make it so everyone feels bad for the people in Ukraine. Yeah, but I don't know. Like that's I, even waning. Here's the thing, though. It's like you can't. Like I don't. I, I, it would be what a mess. Like the a false flag like that would be such a mess. I mean, it, like half the people wouldn't believe it anyway. And want to bet? I it was just all these people on social media. It would be you wouldn't be able to get on there without all. World Trade people. Center Seven fell on its own. Man, it's out of be, sympathy for the towers. Uh, <laughs> Everybody buys that. Yeah, well, that was 22 years ago. And, and now, if you're 19 years old or you're 20 years old, you weren't even alive during that time. What about the pi- What about the pipeline this is that crazy. we sabotaged over there? Yeah. Anybody talking about that? Yeah, they should nope, be. Nope, swept it yeah. under the rug. Should be. I know. There was, no. bri- there was bribery. Our sitting president right now, who's involved in the country that we're in, who everyone can clearly see if you have half a brain cell... Mm. That this is a sham because he walks around the Secret Service doesn't care that you know yeah, right. missile alarms are going off. He is on television as a vice president bribing to get a prosecutor removed who is going to investigate a company that his son was involved in. Nobody bats an eye. Yeah, there's just there is so much indifference, and and that is really where the rubber meets the road. I mean, because uh, we got presidential elections that are coming up, and then people are starting to announce, and there are different candidates here and there. And it really, that's where it's going to come down to. Like, it all comes down to indifference. If people are allowed, if this indifference that we all feel is allowed to continue, and, and, and by the way, it's fostered by the haves and the have-nots. Like, if you're, if you're at the bottom and you don't have any influence or power, then what does it matter that, that people do whatever? I That's mean, right. people are going to say, hey, did you hear what Biden did? Listen, if you don't have any power, you don't need to listen. You can just go back to what you were doing because you can't do a thing about it. All right? That's like, where I am. Yeah, and it's just, the thing is, is it, well, with the presidential elections, it's got to be an individual who can 
inspire people beyond this indifference because it, it's it's killing us. Take a look if you look at my Twitter feed. Um, if you'll go to a um a tweet that I retweeted from Eric Weinstein, uh, and uh, so it's one of our favorite co-hosts here at the uh, uh, Notes from Underground. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, pretty much here. Uh, so um, so Eric. Eric here says, uh, he's asked a question, and again, this goes back to narrative, and this is uh, uh, another of uh, the same type. <laughs> I so, love this. do you remember that we actually had debris fields? See what I mean? Like, they were using that term. See what I mean? Like, the United States government came out and was like, yeah, we're going to be looking at these debris fields. And people were like, wait a minute, what? See what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so we had, and they were like, yeah, we got a debris field in Alaska. We got one in Yukon and we got another one in Lake Huron. Mm-hmm. And we're going to let you know what we find. And people are like, whoa, like that's a big deal. Yeah. Right? And you know that whole thing, it like literally now that, 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 uh, what's your name there? And that, uh, that, the, the, the press secretary there gets up and people go, hey, what's going on with the debris fields? And they're like, huh? What? No, Donald Trump bad. Boo. And then they just don't refuse the answer. That was so 10 days ago. Yeah. No, no. And they're like, oh, well, you know, that was like 10 days ago. And, uh, you know, something will happen, you know, right? Maybe. I mean, right. Like, just no, no one even talks about it. Things that completely violated American airspace. Yeah, right. No doubt. You know, you know? That, that we sent the most expensive. Right. Aircraft that we have in the United States military. Right. We thought after. it was like, we shot like a million dollar missile at it because we, you know, thought it was a pretty good idea right right i mean that that big of an event happens and uh within 10 days no big deal and well no no one even talks about it anymore and then like the the whole idea like debris fields and that's where i think people get a lot of their nihilism and they get a lot of their indifference from because for example the government can use a term like debris field and then a week later you can say what about that debris field and people treat you like you're crazy Mm -hmm. like they'll treat you like you're the bad guy like I'm not the one that used the term like the government was, you know, like, and so that's the thing. It's like, so, yeah, yeah, it's all, it gets all to be narrative. You you get to a point of what's the point. Yeah. And a lot of us were there with the election. There's a lot of us who still do not believe that there's any possible way Joe Biden organically got that many votes. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, it's just not possible. Right. Like, you're going to tell me he outdid Obama. Really? Yeah, right. Even Obama makes fun of him. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. This is crazy. So after that, yeah, which, I mean, that's why I checked the news just to see, like, hey, are we getting nuked today? Like, that's, that's about it. Because past that, what are you going to do about it, really? Yeah, I know. What are you going to do about it? I know. They've, you know, pretty much been in our face about this stuff. They can blow up the Georgia Guidestones. Yeah. Like, no investigation. None. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know if Biden got that many votes or not. Uh, but I, I'll say this: it's it's odd how people in you know the Republicans have done themselves no favors because you know the reason that Trump became a thing was that there was this backlash against the Republicans, kind of moving like kind of moving left along with the left, kind of always in the coattails, the shadows of the coattails of the left. You know, like you and I were talking about the other day. Yeah. And so the um, there, Trump is kind of a backlash to that. And so the Republicans have done themselves no favors in the sense that 
like I get the sense, like leaving on Twitter in some liberal spaces, people in the urban environments, whether it be New York or whether it be Chicago or New Orleans, whatever, the people in these urban environments, they have this warped view of the Republicans. Like they, they think like Republicans are like literal murderers, you know, or they're like they're really like, they're like Nazis, you know. And then when they talk about left versus right, they're not talking about ideas or say, well, one's a traditional idea and has merit, but then this is another idea that has merit. No, no, people are not. People are like, okay. Like, these literal Nazis are going to come to your house, and they're going to steal your children, and they're going to eat them with kitchen knives. It's extremes. And yeah, it is. And people, like, I mean, so it, a lot of times, it's not that I don't see people that voted for Biden. I think there are a lot of people that were like, well, we can vote for Biden, who's like a junkie president, or we can have literal Nazis, in like, running the country, you know? And so a lot of people, when they make that, are, are, are going to make a... They're going to make a choice for the lesser of two evils. But it, it is, like, being on the extremes, I just... There's no, you can't, there's no, it's one of the reasons why I'm so motivated to talk about Christian presupposition, because outside of having ideals that you're going to stick to and hold to, then it's all just, it's nothing more than relevancy, you know, and, and you're just trying to be relevant, you know, and so you've got to be able to take your stand and explain why you believe the things that you believe and, and have it be sensible. Otherwise, you're just running around chasing relevance. You know, like Pretty people much. see, yeah, you know, like like people don't like. For example, a guy like um, you know, a guy like Steve Bannon at least has a, a comprehensive ideology that he can he can speak about and he can articulate, and you can at least react to it. You know, even Some, he's made out to be crazy though. Yeah, but that's right. But uh, but someone like, for example, um, someone like a like a, a Major Taylor Green, right? Like someone like her. I'm not really sure if she does have a political philosophy. I do know that she likes to, you know, that she likes to be relevant to certain you know, groups and certain people at certain times. And I'm sure that does a lot of good. And being a government official and all, an elected official, she probably does some good. Yep. But you know, outside. But when I look at her, I don't see a coherent political philosophy, a, a coherent way of looking at the world that's backed up by. By that's backed up by a, a a thought out, structured series of moral presuppositions. You know, other than to say that I'm a Christian and I believe in the Bible. You know, but which is fine. But you know, I, I don't see that. What I see is someone who is running around and they're doing the hokey pokey, putting their left foot in and the right foot out, and they're shaking it all about, and they're trying to be relevant to certain people at certain times. And so, when politics gets that way. We kind of get what we deserve, you know. Well, you're kind of going off the presupposition that everything is honest and that kayfabe doesn't exist. And I think yeah. we both established that that does exist. Are you going to be able to That's ever, enough. you know, prove? Uh, what What is our standard of proof anymore? I mean, really. A in, in a criminal court, we have beyond a reasonable doubt. In a civil court, we have more likely than not, right? Yeah. Those are our, that's our, that's our burden of proof. Well, for some reason, the burden of proof for politicians being definitely corrupt has to be like smoking gun, like you caught yeah, them on camera holding a calendar Good and uh, today's paper. Good point. Why in the world does it take <laughs> that standard of proof? That's we right. put people to death with less standard of proof than yeah, that. That's a good point. But our politicians, who we can look at their public stock holdings and everything like that, yeah. They get away with whatever they want. Why in the world is it that the only time the right and left come together is when we're going to war? Yeah, that's no, true. Why are they okay with that together? Yeah. Other than that, they don't really agree. No, it's true. Kayfabe exists. 
Yeah, and no, they've it really taken does. it to the extremes. Yeah, it does. You know, I remember it's a, yeah, it's actually a really good point. You know, and you should go back and you can check out uh, on the uh, the digital blunderground. Uh, we have an entire episode on this on Eric Weinstein and his uh, his uh, concept of kayfabification uh, in politics. Yeah. It was really wonderful, great great time that we had doing that. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the I I, I remember. When Ron Paul, I talking about kayfabe. When <laughs> again, when again, when Ron, you know, uh, when uh, we'll probably have to do, we'll probably do like a lot, twenty four hour live stream. If when you know, Ron, I mean, he's not invincible, so I mean, one of these days, it's probably come in the next couple of years. <laughs> I'll probably have to be like, a, we'll do like twenty four hours straight. We'll just do straight Ron. Just love you, Ron. But uh, the. Uh, <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, like fil- filibuster goes, or something. No, maybe not. Here? Yeah, but I don't know. Just you know, we'll have to do something for that because it's, it's uh, such a a pretty good, um, uh, just a what an important guy. Uh, but anyhow, I'll never forget when Ron uh, Ron Paul uh, broke kayfabe and he started talking about the. Um, uh, this was back in 08, I think it was, and he was. Uh, because he was breaking kayfabe all the time because he, he would come on these debates and on these shows and he would start giving examples of, of these sacred cows that no one would touch. And I remember one of them was the um, the, the medical insurance, right? Is, yeah. is the, you know, is everyone says, well, we need to get Bernie Sanders in here. Everybody, we need to have universal health care. And it was Ron Paul who came out and said, do people realize that all members of the government in the House and the Senate, they, you know how much they pay for health care? Like zero, right? Like it's all socialized medicine. Like they, like it's all taken care of, right? So he's like, yeah, he's like, they don't have a Republican plan and there's no Democratic plan. And that when the Republicans get in, they have the Republican health care plan. No, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> and it's not like, you know, like they, they, all they have the same plans that you do. You know, it's not like, you know, you and me, like, right? Well, like, oh, Major Taylor Green, well, now that you're a senator, you're going to have to figure it out, you know, just like Steve and Tom got to figure it out. Now you got to go figure it out. You know, it doesn't work that way. Nope. It's all it's all socialized. It's all taken care of. It's all done. And when you get elected, you get in, and then you sign up for the program, and then they take care of you and your family, and that's it. So if you can, be, if you can get elected to the Senate, socialized health care. But then you can go out in the campaign trail and you're like, no, 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 we don't want to have this health care. Now, I don't think anybody should have that kind of health care. So I, I would have it taken away. And that's what Ron thought, too. But the um, it's interesting, though, how once you get beyond, you peel the onion and you get into that that layer, you see that, yeah, it's all the same. You don't see Democrats and Republicans getting up and saying, well, the Republicans are evil, so we shouldn't give them health care. Right. No, no. Everybody got the same health care. You know, that's right. That's why Ron got labeled as crazy. Yeah, that's right. Conspiracy yeah. theorist. Oh, man. A little too much truth came out there. Oh, man. I don't know, man. I say, you see it now, though. I mean, now that we live in a post-Trump world, this world that we live in today is not the world of 2006. We got to remember, though. We got to remember. We're, we're saying you got to look back at history. I look back at history and mm. see what, what keeps happening. Well, let's try to look back at history and see what's going to happen next. Yeah. We're going to get exactly what we think we want. Mm. Well, what could we possibly think we want? Mm. I'm not saying Trump is definitely going to win the election. Yeah. I'm saying whoever wins the election, it's going to seem like it's a great idea for America. Because there's no possible way it's going this terribly. And they're like, yeah, let's uh, let's keep going this horribly. That This is going to be fine. Either the world is going to end. Yeah, someone's right. pressing the little red button. Right. Or we're about to get some president that's going to be oorah America, you know, with big American flags hanging behind him and Bruce Springsteen playing in the background or yeah, something. Yeah. I mean. No, probably not because Bruce won't let Trump use well, his music. Well, so. as I said that, you know, being in music, I was like, well, never mind. Right. That's yeah, all. yeah. No, it won't be no born in the USA. 
As long as it's like a fake Republican, I think he'll he'll allow it. Just can't be Trump. It can't be Trump. Yeah, you're right. Trump's yeah. been Trump's been demonized. That's you know? right. He has been. The, I think he can still do Lee Greenfield, right? He can still do <laughs> Lee, Lee Greenwood. Yeah, Lee Greenwood. He can still do Lee Greenwood, right? <laughs> he can do Lee Greenwood. I think that's what he can do. Yeah. 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 No. <clears throat> It's Not. pretty cool. Yeah, I, I tried the. I got somewhere. I got like a playlist or somewhere. Like I did because we was at the Trump rally. So we was at the. I, we was at a Trump rally one time, and um, because hey, you, you got to do it, man. Right? I mean, you can't live through these times. Like, On like, your bucket list. You got to do it. Bucket list, man. It's like so, going to the Grand Canyon. Oh, absolutely, man. No <laughs> doubt. You got to do the Grand Canyon. You know, you gotta. You know, you, you know, you gotta. You know, and go to the Trump rally. So anyway, yeah. and I was, uh, I had to, they kept playing the music, you know? So I'm like, oh, so I have like, I got this idea. I'm like, I'm going to start this playlist. So I start this playlist on my phone, you know? And then I'm trying to, every time the song comes on, I'm trying to add the song, you know, <laughs> try to find it. And it was, um, it was crazy, man. I, it was really fun for a while, but then, uh, after a time, cause I was, we were getting out and about and then like, it was wild. There was so many people there and people were bumping into each other. And then people were like, you know, dancing and screaming. I watched it on TV and I, I, I felt bad for everybody there. I can't believe you were there. Oh no, no. It was wild, man. <laughs> it was wild, man. And then, cause I went with my, I went with my son, you know, when Wyatt and I went and, right. uh, it was great, man. We were like, cause we started out like in the, the seats, you know, and then like we're down there in the seats and then like, you know, my son's like, he's like, dad, what are we doing here, man? We got to get down there. And I'm like, well, I don't you think gave we... up your seats, you went to the floor. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, he's like, you just want to give up these seats and just go to the floor. And he's like, oh yeah, that's what I want. So I'm like, all right, man, let's go. So we just grabbed our jackets, boom, we let it go off. And it was great, man. We went down and it was like this feeling like that's where like all the diehards were. You know, get down there and these are like the people, like the anarchists, you know, were they, they crowd surfing and like, stuff. Well, no, but they don't like care, man. Like it's all the, Cause like there's all the, it was really great. Cause I have this big podium for the media, and the media's all on there. And then like all these like anarchist types are all like, you know, they got the "Don't Tread on Me" t-shirts and all like yeah. coming walking around. And so like they all start, you know, and they're not supposed to be there, but then they're all like the anarchist types. So they all get in there like, oh, you know, these daring people. Come on, man. You know, come on, come on, met me, man. And they all start circling around like all the media people. So all the media people are, like scowling at them, and then they're all like scowling back, and and it was like all this tension. And then like all the tension built. Because Trump, I mean, he does. It's all like I don't want to say it's all choreographed, but it feels like it's all choreographed. Because like the tension get, like gets so high, and then all of a sudden, like the Trump kids, right? Like uh, like uh, you know Don Jr. and Ivanka and all the people. Oh right? yeah. They all start, and Eric, you know, like all of a sudden, boom! Like there's Eric Trump. He's like on the floor, and so he's out. And he's like starts high fiving people, and then he's like talking to people. And he's like kissing babies and hugging kids and all building this. up the crowd. Yeah, yeah. But then like all the tension that was there, like all turns into like it was like. Boom, you know, it's like someone lights a match, you know, and then like on like it starts out with Eric and then it's like, you know, then like you get like uh, Don Jr. comes out, you know, and then they start with the speeches, you know, and then and then that, that now it got kind of creepy, actually, you know, because like the speeches is like all the people because like first you get the Trump kids and they come down in the crowd. Right. And then the you get the speeches come out and that's all the that's all the people that the Trump kids are banging. I mean, I'm sorry. No, it's not. It's all the people. Uh, it's all the all the political <laughs> people. that, And then they come out and then they like come out and then they get their say. And they get to like, then they warm up the crowd, and then, uh, you know, then I'll come to people you recognize and all that. And then it was, pretty and all cool. of a sudden, Trump's entrance music hits. Yeah, like it's oh, Monday yeah, Night yeah, Raw. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, that would have been cool, man. That would have been, that would have been pretty, that would have been really I'm sweet. Saying, that's that's how they play it up. Like that would have been sweet if he did, man. And then would come in, and there would have been like, a, it would kind of like the old Raw's War days, you know. And then, yeah. been like Trump comes out, you know, <laughs> boom, 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 you know. There's a ramp that he walks down. Yeah, man. Now come like Jim Ross with the cowboy hat, man, and like it'd been great, man. If you ever want to picture what it looks like, 
he was on Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah, right. He was. That's right. Yeah, true enough. That's exactly what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks like. It's been great. No, but then, uh, you know, Trump comes out. It's pretty cool. No, no, it's pretty cool, man. It comes out, and uh, and then it was all pretty pretty neat. But, uh, you know. It's it's a big show for all of us, <laughs> That's right? Has. No, it is, but it's this weird feeling because you get it, talk about kayfabe because you're in there and you're like, man, it, it is kind of like being like at a wrestling event because I mean, you you feel like there's genuine excitement there, but then you do feel like it's kind of all choreographed. And even Trump, I'll be honest, like when Trump was up there, like I didn't. Trump came off as someone who had done it before, you know. I mean, it didn't come off as insincere. I'm not going to say that, but he came off as sincere. But you know, he came on, and then he, he sounded. He was very much a practice guy. It wasn't like he wasn't like coming out. And I, some people, when they speak, they can really the empathy. You know, like they really make you feel that connection, and they can really throw the empathy out there, and they really kind of draw you in. Uh-huh. And and. I kind of wanted to, I was very interested to see if Trump was that way. And I was like, man, if Trump's one of these guys who can just grab you by the heartstrings and just bring in the empathy. And honestly, I didn't really see it. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So uh, Trump, like we just said, he's been on Monday Night Raw. Mm. Um, he's also been in a movie. I'm assuming he hobnobs with maybe a couple people from Hollywood. Oh, and, yeah. True enough. And you don't get to be a billionaire, by the way. Yeah. Good call. Without having manipulated a couple of people in your life. True enough. Okay. He's definitely well-versed at that. Yeah. He's not embarrassed of public speaking or anything like that. It doesn't make him nervous. Nope. He's very, very well-rehearsed. So when we're looking at wrestling, you and I mm-hmm. can know it's fake, even though those actors are very, very good, because we know wrestling's fake. Right. When we're looking at the President of the United States, yeah. if he's that good of an actor, mm. remember what Zelensky was before. Yeah, right. Okay. You're you don't even come into that with the presupposition of this person may be lying. This is definitely fake. Yeah, right, right. If you go into it thinking it's real, it's a whole lot easier to believe that stuff is real if they're yeah. good at what they're doing. Right, right. The CIA. This this is a this is known fact. They have a long history of going in and replacing uh, leaders of government who they don't like. Who who are not pro America? Oh yeah, right. This, yeah, regime this, change. Yeah, right. This is a thing that goes back. This is not like a hidden secret. Right. Yeah. And that's all we're seeing. At yeah. some point, the world runs out of resources. We need certain things. We don't want someone having such and such. And you're not going to actually prove any of this. And even if you did, look again. I covered standard of proof before. People just want to live in this world where they just get to go to work and they just you know come home and they pay the bills. The military. Is anyone going to stop waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go into formation and saluting the flag and running and everything? No. You know why? They're, the military's living paycheck to paycheck. You know how I know? I did it. Yeah. I was there. You were there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're going to get up every day, and it's going to be a slow process. It's not going to be like one day you're doing PT and some paperwork, and the next day it's like, go uh, sanitize this entire town of everyone who believes this way. Right. No. It's a slow march towards that to where, at worst case, you're going to have a few conscientious objectors. Yeah, right. That's it. That's it. Other than that, no big deal. I've talked about this before. I, I got a buddy of mine, the staff sergeant, just got out yeah. a few years ago. And I, I asked him, you know, would you ever operate on American soil? Yeah. And he's like, huh, yeah, why not? Whatever, it's a paycheck. That's unbelievable. And he didn't, think, he didn't think twice about it. I could not believe it. That's That's insane. But that's the slow march that we have. And think about the generation we're raising right now. I know. I it's know. No, it's, it's very uh. scary because we've now seen it. I mean, I don't, 
and whether it happened before, I'm not. I, I'm not sure. I'm not the expert, but mm-hmm. you know, at least in the '60s, you can go back from the '60s unto the '60s, where you had people that were coming of age in 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 the the, the universities, and how that how that resulted in them raising families and and them making choices, and and within 50 years, at least my lifetime, it's fundamentally changed. And and you're right. It um, it's pretty scary stuff. Yeah, it's it's gone. The way that we used to live is gone. We get a couple of good speeches. I, I wish I could remember. I believe it was one of the Navy admirals, but I, I, I can't be sure. But uh, he said, basically, if you want to have a good day, you know, yeah. he said, start by making your bed. You'll do one. Su- that's one successful thing you can do. And then from there, yeah. it'll it'll essentially build. Right. And that's how you can, you know, a good way to build success. Yeah. But those little moral teachings. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah, they it are. Seems like they're, they're essentially erased. Right. Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Right. Back seat, buddy. That's in a trailer behind the car now. Right. Forget that's the back true. Seat. That's a good point. No, it's a very good point. Uh, another topic that uh, I posted on my Twitter feed here uh, about COVID. Uh, Polymath, who's one of my favorite tweeters, uh, says, "It is insane to realize there is a solid possibility that a hostile foreign power created a virus that killed ten times more people than any nuclear weapon, and our government response has basically been, yeah, probably, but uh, you know we have to keep funding their research, or you know something bad might happen." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it is. It is just about you know. It's a, this is um. It's one of those old Alex Jones narratives, right? Like I remember. When, um, you know, it's one thing you can do is it, talk about being conspiratorial. You can always go back and you can look at when, when the government really started to get down in on Alex Jones. One of the things that he was saying that really kind of, I think, precipitated him getting really attacked in a public manner was he used to say, look at the government. He'd say, look, they don't even hide it anymore. You know, he'd say, he, he would say, he would say, uh, you know, if you, he'd say, if you ask them a question, they won't answer. And then if they do something, then they'll just deny it and they'll do it anyway. And so he would scream it. I mean, and, and, and he would, he would get on a show and he would pound the table and scream it. But I think that was really one thing that he did that kind of raised his profile a little bit because he would show it, you know, he would say, okay, well, let's go look at the newspaper articles and you'd see that, oh, okay, people report that you, they, we do this. And then he would go and show how it was just flatly denied. And he'd say, he'd say, you know, the government is going to do it and, and, and they don't care. They're just going to do what they're going to do. And if you can escape the narrative, you can just see that they're just going to they have the power and they're going to do what they're going to do and that's what this makes me think of and what's the result of all that look that that tweet has 882 retweets yeah and it has 4672 hearts yeah there are 334 million people in America that's right i know that's right and all, out of them only uh here i i can see this 390,000 people have have seen it you know that's and it that's it that's it so and the most of those hides it yeah, and probably out of that, only maybe what, maybe twenty, thirty thousand, maybe has stopped long enough to read it. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. So that leads me to, you know, another tweet of yours. Um, was it? Was it? A, I think it was a retweet, actually. Yeah, uh, Eric Reed. You retweeted him. It says Christians that refuse to engage in the culture war. Oh yeah. Are not glorifying God or loving their neighbors. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, this was a, um, 
Oh, yeah, this was an interesting tweet. I, I don't necessarily agree or disagree. Just because I retweet something doesn't mean I necessarily agree or disagree with it. it what it does, it means I find it very interesting. And this was a... Um, this was an interesting thread. You can see that he's got the thread symbol there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read through this thread, and I thought it was very interesting uh, in terms of, of his defense. Because certainly his defense, I thought, was pretty—I um, was. Uh, I didn't expect him to take as, as a, a firm of a stance as he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did take a pretty firm stance on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, here he says, uh, are not glor- uh, are not glorifying God or loving their neighbors. So this was a th- uh, this kind of came about on evangelical Twitter, uh, kind of uh, this. Uh, it wasn't a very long lived um, back and forth, but there was a lot of people talking about uh, the culture war and about whether whether or not um, whether or not the Christians should be fighting the culture war. Uh, obviously, Eric Reed here has a. Uh, a pretty clear throat, uh, a pretty full-throated uh, defense of Christians who engage in the culture war. I think that a lot of this uh, is—it's very similar to the secular world, where Christians oftentimes come out on both sides. You know, you'll have some Christians that will, um, some Christians that uh, on the, like for example, on the right, they're very, um, you know, they'll uh, they'll fight the culture war into, to exclusion even of worshiping God, you know, they'll, they'll put it, you know, fighting the, fighting the culture war is, is, is more than worshiping the Lord. Yeah. But then on the left, you'll see people who will say, well, if your neighbor has a transgender kid, then the most Christian thing you can do is go bake him cookies, you know, cause that's <laughs> the, you know, it's like the gospel of being nice, you know, right. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, you know, you kind of, uh, you do see people that live on both ends here. Yeah. God is love. Where, where's that? Uh, oh, right. Yeah. First John, that'd be the end of the Bible. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people people put that first. I I like to remind people like, can we just remember that's the same one that flooded the earth for eight people and some animals? <laughs> it's, right, right. it's the same God. Mm. He's a little judgy, mm. but no, I, I I just thought about that. I, I get that that one is on the 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 culture war as far as Christianity goes, and and the seeming war against Christianity. Really, it's it's just dwindling down to the end times to me. But um, mm. I I. Also, in this, in the terms of just people, um, like I'm, I, I'm one of those people that chooses to just, I'm just gonna sit out America. Like I'm done. I'm not playing for Team America anymore. I'm not playing for any team. I'm done playing your games, because you guys have lied so much and made it impossible to dig through your layers of lies. That, like you said earlier, like the the common person is just like. I'm just going to throw my hands up with it because there's nothing I can do to change it anyway. Well, I mean, I think it's a lot of one. You know, uh, the um. You know, H.L. Mencken, who was no friend to evangelical Christianity either, but, you know, uh, it's, uh, and I do understand that. Uh, I've been told that many, many times. Uh, but, uh, you know, what's what, what, that old expression? They have um, the, um, the enemy of my, the enemy of thine enemy is my friend. Yeah. Right, yeah. So H.L. Mencken was not a fan of uh, Christianity, but he was also not a fan of the state either. Uh, and so um, I, I do, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Mencken, especially in his writings about the state. Uh, and, uh, but anyhow, the, um, H.L. Mencken once said, he said, um, he said, uh, he said the people, when it comes to government, he said the people get what they deserve and they get it good and they get it hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, true. I mean, right. Really. So in a lot of ways it's true. In a lot of ways we do, we get what we deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you look at the billions of people in China, if they came together, they could overthrow their communist government but they choose not to. They choose to live under a system of oppression, 
And so they're going to get what they deserve, which is, yeah, whatever the government wants to do to them, they just let them run roughshod over them. Yeah. It's no it, different in America. Joe Biden says, you need F-16s to fight against us. Really? Yeah, right. No, you don't. Let me tell you something. Yeah. Abrams tanks, they don't even take keys. <laughs> you don't need a key. You don't need a key for No, them. you don't need a key. So they don't need no key. And if you want to get on Fort Hood, get like five of your buddies in a pickup truck. Trust right. me, you will run over the little gate guard sitting there. It's not a big deal. Uh, I assure you, okay? Uh, it's 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 that easy. The tanks, you know what? They're behind a chain link fence that is most of the time the gate is wide open to. <laughs> and you go in there and there's 40, 50 tanks in any given motor pool lot. Mm-hmm. And they're just all lined up. Like you head on down to the ammo depot. It's about a mile and a half away. It's not that difficult. Okay. It's just that people are scared of the system. They're scared of... Oh, well, what if I go to jail? What if I go to... And, and by the time anybody actually reacts, it's too late. Yeah. The government has already stripped you of all of your power to fight back. Right. It's exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. Yeah, right. Interesting. That's why Australians right now, they tell us, Americans, do not give up your weapons. Yeah, Don't right. do it. Don't do it, yeah. Australians hate it. Yeah, yeah, they do. I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, but that won't... You know, that doesn't make the news. That's not politically expedient to no, absolutely <clears throat> to our government or to any other government. No, I don't. It's it's always the guns, and that's the thing. I I've realized that in adulthood, you know, and it's always guns because I I get questions a lot too from China and other places, you know, and people ask me. They'll say, well, you know, they'll say I read this in the news, and I'll say, yeah, well, that's that's probably they can say it, but that's not really going to happen, you know, or or you know, don't worry about that, you know. And they'll say, well, why wouldn't I worry about it? And then I realize in adulthood, right, like. In other countries where they don't have guns, things that we read about in the newspaper can actually happen. They could actually become reality. But for us in America, they're not really reality. They're more just narrative and stories and threats. Because and my uh, my kids always ask me, I'll say, well, teacher, why, why isn't that a worry for you? Guns. You know, and say, they don't understand. I'll say, yeah, I know you don't understand, okay? There's like... Five, there's half a billion guns hanging around in people's basements, and you know that's why this is never going to happen. Because if it did, guns, right? You know, and I'm very thankful for it. I mean, I am because I see in other countries where the people, they, these are people that truly have no power. See, Americans have no power, but they at least have guns. All right, so at least they have guns. At least there's that. If they don't have any power, at least they got guns. Mm-hmm. So like other people places, they don't have no guns, so they don't have no power. So like. No. I mean, that's why they're in the street with Molotov cocktails and rocks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Imagine if everyone in Tiananmen Square was armed. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Chinese government. Ooh. Bye-bye. That, that, they, they would be overrun at that point. The yeah. problem is everyone waits until it's too late. And we're raising a generation right now that is being raised to think that the government is out for their best interest wasn't there isn't there like a saying like the worst thing you could ever hear is hi i'm from the government i'm here to help oh yeah that was ronald reagan yeah (laughs) Yeah. i'm not sure if people look at the government that benevolently but yeah yeah but i mean how hard are they going to cling to their guns you know like the i-20 corridor is that going to be everywhere in america we already have a lot of america that wants to get rid of them half of america anyway yeah you know that thinks that they're so ignorant that they they think there's no need for this there is I mean, literally, our founding fathers were like, okay, and let's see, what are we going to have? We're going to have freedom of speech, and you know what? Yep, we should probably protect that with guns. I mean, it's the second thing they thought of. Right, right, it's yeah, that's right. It's that important, man. Yeah, no, I know it is. No doubt, no it's, doubt. But people here just see whatever. Wow. And and I don't know where the line is uh, where people will say, okay, enough is enough, but January 6th, okay, 
I think even that had actors in it. Like, because they were going to need good clips on the news of it. So, like, the dude that had the big Viking hat on and stuff. Yeah, right. Like, get out of here. He... He was, he was the one dude that was escorted in, by, uh, like one of the the Capitol police, it was right next to him, yeah. the whole time. All right, yeah. Now, I've heard that that chamber is actually hard to find in that building. And I've been to D.C. and walked through some of these buildings, and yeah, my goodness, they're huge. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they rival like Caesar's Palace in Vegas. It's hard to find anything. Mm. But this dude knew where every single thing was. The guy that put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Oh yeah. How many offices are in that building? Can you imagine walking down the hall, you're like reading, like, nah, 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 nah. right, right. Like, he just happens to find Nancy Pelosi's office in an hour. Like, that dude, man, I don't know what type of intel he had, but he is good. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't. It's a good question. That's the thing is we don't know, and we can't prove it. My money would say yes, some of it staged, mm. so that we had good TV clips to peddle to the American people. But then again... Can't prove it, so what are we going to do about it? And even if we did, that's more than 10 days ago. Nobody cares. <laughs> more than 10 Don't days ask ago. us questions. Right. No, it's true. More than 10 days ago. <laughs> more than 10 days ago. Did you see this clip? You can't. Uh, the clip's been taken out here. It says uh, the quoted tweet is unavailable. Uh, they took it out, unfortunately. Uh, talking about the gun issue. Uh, did you see the clip from St. Louis? Um, no, I did no. not. So St. Louis mentioned something that got removed, though. Yeah, St. Louis is, uh, there was a, a tweet, a guy, uh, and again, uh, it's not, we're talking positive about guns, and, and again, this was a negative one. So a guy uh, comes up in the, on the streets of St. Louis, he loads, he has a weapon. Okay. And he loads the weapon. Okay. Right, there's a homeless guy who's a homeless guy sitting on the street, sitting okay. on the sidewalk. Yep. And he just walks up behind him, and he, he, he takes out the gun, and he starts loading the gun right behind the guy, and the guy's filming it. And anyways, the guy just gets the gun loaded up. Boom. Like, what? Murders the guy. Like, cold blood. Right, shoots him right, from, right in the back. Shoots him in the back. Murders him, and cold blood walks away. It was recently reported, uh, uh, the AP uh, reported that uh, there's almost like a, I think it's almost like a 50% chance, like if you murder somebody in the United States, you have like a 50% chance of being of getting away with it. There's so many, like they did a, an analysis of all the unsolved murders. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it's not necessarily that this guy had a gun. That I have that the problem is the the issue is that some guy recorded this depraved and, humanity, and they didn't warn the guy. You all know, the they didn't around. say anything. You know. Like, there were people around, and no one said anything. No one's like, hey, watch out, you know, or no one says, hey, what are you doing, you know, or, you know, people just, but they wanted to film it, though. They wanted to film it. Nobody wanted to get shot. Yeah, that's right. But they wanted the notoriety of being the first guy to load it onto the social media so that the world could see it. Yep. You know, I'm brave enough to film it, but I'm not brave enough to save this guy's life. That, or you could be crazy enough to think like I do and think, 50-50 chance that either that was like a real deal and it's exactly how you just described it or who cares about homeless people? Let's just go film this. We know we can walk up behind people and do this. And uh, we have uh, Democrats right now in power. So let's see if we can keep pushing this anti-gun narrative. Man. The stuff that they talk about that's anti-gun. Yeah. They always want to go after assault rifle, assault rifle. First off, it's AR is not assault rifle. It's what it stands for. It's Armalite. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard that, yeah. So... They're wrong right from the get-go anyways. Uh, but you look at how many crimes are committed with those versus handguns. Yeah. 
Like, it's not even close. It's all handguns, pretty much. Mm. By the way, um, I assure you, you'd rather me have an M4 in my hand <laughs> than my 308. Yeah. That thing will leave a hole, man. Let's compare the bullets. I mean, it looks like it comes out of a tank. But people are like, oh, no, that gun looks scary. It's black and looks like something military carries. Man. You can... I've, there were people that literally got shot four or five times that were coming up to the gate. And because a 5.56 five, goes so fast, yeah, and it's such a small round, wow, it's a through-and-through through wound. They just keep walking. Is that right? They just keep walking? Yeah. Oh. I promise, you get hit with a three oh eight. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> Forget it. You're, you are not walking anywhere, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the bullet is like three times the size of a 5.56. Five, it's huge, oh, man. man. You're not Man. going to... You're going to feel that thing, huh? Yeah. And uh, wasn't Kennedy assassinated with a bolt-action rifle, supposedly? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, right. All right, so I don't know. Maybe those are assault rifles, too. Right, true enough. You know. Man, no, true enough, true enough. This was a good quote here. I saw uh, the... Uh, it's as difficult to get piety out of charity as it is to get reasonableness out of rationality. What? That's right. deep. Yeah, you see, it's actually, the reason why it's deep is, um, it's uh, it's a quote from uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, he's, uh, which uh, you, he's a, a favorite of Salzburg, so when we're reading Salzburg, you're going to, you see that name quite a bit. Uh, but um, it's from an interview, Mike Wallace is, um, Mike Wallace is interviewing uh, Reinhold Niebuhr, and it's, um, what a great, uh, what a great thinker he was. So the question that he gets asked is about atheism. And so basically he's asked, hey, what do you think of atheists? And I thought his answer was really, really good. It basically what he says, and I'll, I'll bottom line it for you. Yeah, I'm going to need that bottom line because I'm still trying to work my way through that. <laughs> yeah, basically what he says is he says, the Bible says that a man should be judged. A tree is judged by its fruits, right? So if a tree has good fruit, then it's a good tree. If it has bad fruit, then it's a bad tree. Yeah, you shall know and them like, by their fruits. Yeah, and so you shall know them by their fruits. And so what he does is basically, he's like, when it comes to Christians versus atheists, he basically says, you go by the Bible. You look at the fruits. Like if atheism produces the fruits of uh, the fruits of uh, of goodness, righteousness, and salvation, then you should go with the atheist. You know. And but if the Christians, if they're if they're the ones producing a bunch of you know terrible cultural rot, you know, then then you go you shouldn't go with them. But what he says here is that's not a quote from him. That's my quote. But what he says here is he says it's as difficult to get piety out of charity. As it is to get reasonableness, reasonableness out of rationality, and this is great. Uh, this is uh, goes back again in Idols for Destruction. Sloshberg is talking a bit about uh, about the nature of rationality and how you can't really get re you can't get meaning from things like, for example, reason. So you say, well, we want to make sure things are reason logical. Things are logical. Well, you can have a series of logical deductions, but you can't. It, you can't really get reasonableness out of rationality. You, you can't draw meaning out of scientific observation. You know, you can say, okay, well, you know, you can say, okay, science proves that this is correct. All right, well, fine. You can you can say it's right, and you can reproduce it in a laboratory, but it doesn't add anything to what we would call human meaning, right? And so, and, and also too, like just because you're charitable, doesn't mean that you're pious. So, you know, for example, um, you know, it, it really depends on your fruits. You know, you, you really have to look at what is produced. And so um, I thought that was really interesting how even a great Christian thinker like him 
can really it comes back to knowing them by their fruits. So I thought that was really interesting. I actually retweeted that thing of you. I know that I thought you'd get a kick out of that. <laughs> it's it might be a little too deep for my understanding. That took me a minute to uh to to understand what the heck was being said there. Yeah, yeah, really. No, you know, something I can tell you what, that they'll give you a workout, man. You go to uh you uh go to Reinhold there and he is gonna give you a uh an intellectual workout. If Schlossberg is like that, boy, I'm I'm in trouble. Ooh man, I'll tell you what. No. <laughs> well, we're gonna take our we'll take we'll go through that and take our time. We'll go through that. But uh uh man, uh yeah, he is a real thinker. I mean it makes your brain burn trying to jump into that. Um, but another intellectual I love is Robert Murphy, right? You got to be a more Robert Murphy fan, don't you? I, beyond me. Listen, man. Listen, what I, you gotta I do. have you never gotta go. heard okay. of this guy. All right, all right. Listen, you get on Twitter, go follow Robert Murphy right now. If you're hearing my voice, <laughs> and you go to this is what you do. You go to you go to Twitter. You go. You find him at Bob Murphy Econ. Okay, it's B O B M U R P H Y E C O N at Bob Murphy Econ, and then you smash that follow button. You get that follow button. You hit it about ten times because this is a great account. Bob Murphy's great. I mean, right? So you, you gotta love Bob Murphy. And so uh, the whole Twitter feed is because some people can do Twitter and some people can't, right? And so there's a lot of things that Bob Murphy's probably not great at, and I don't really know what they are. But he's probably got a bunch of things he's not too great at, but. He's really good at Twitter, and it's really a great thing going through his feed. Uh, I love this one part. He says, uh, President Biden here, you know, he says, well, I'm not going to negotiate whether America pays his debt. Of course, he's talking about the debt ceiling. He says, I will not allow this nation to default. <laughs> Bob Murphy says, oh, boy. What, what if we think of America as a student? <laughs> That's rough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Man, but there's, it's those kind of like uh, intelligent clear-minded little backhanded insults i don't know i can't get enough of them man that's just i don't know man it's my weakness i love him i'll take him all day he doesn't have a blue check so he I'm, doesn't that's right yeah I'm moving on. no that's it bob murphy man that's right oh no only the blue checks all right don't, man don't, don't lend him any credibility the elitist man no no only oh, i think eric weinstein has a blue that's why he can be the co-host we can't have a second co-host of bob murphy right that's, that's why you have to be in anon to get anywhere you do that's right you do it's true the anons man right the anons and i love um continuing on my twitter feed here uh we can see douglas murphy you ever read a book by douglas murphy Every time you ask me, excuse me, Douglas Murray. Excuse uh, me, I say Murphy because I was talking about Bob Murphy. Douglas Murray. Uh, no, no. You ever read a book by Douglas Murray? Strike three. All right, so here's what you he's do. He's got a blue check, so I'll listen. All right, well, number one, I got a blue <laughs> check. So number one, here's what you do: you go on Twitter, and then you gotta follow Bob Murphy. That's step number one. And then step number two is you could go to the library, and then you, any book written by Douglas Murray, you take that thing out, you go home, and you sit down, and then you go, you, you read that book. It's kid looks good. like he's twelve in his Twitter photo. How old is this? You ain't old enough to write a book. What, Douglas Murray? <laughs> oh man, no, Douglas Murray, he's great. You gotta go to the library and you get a book any book. Doesn't matter. As long as you wrote it, you're good. So go ahead and check that out. Okay. So here I love uh, his comment here. You know, his comment is but we you see the opinion here, Dan Guthrie. Yeah. He says, the English countryside still feels like a white middle-class club. We can and will change this. And then Douglas Murray says, we? Yeah. <laughs> Who's we? <laughs> yep. That's a that's a very long comment he has there on that. Yeah, yeah, right. Says says a lot, though. It does, doesn't it, though? Yeah. Doesn't it? No, it like, does. Who are, who are you speaking for there, Dan Guthrie? Well, you know, it's got the whole thing uh, about um, this is the kind of going back. This whole thing on Twitter has been unbelievable uh, as far as um, as far as uh, the past couple of days. This whole thing with Scott Adams. Have you seen this? 
Missed it, man. But you missed you, it. You missed it. Missed it. Man, you missed the whole thing with Scott Adams. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, that's something I'd have to Jamie up. All right, man. Well, here's here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get this for you, okay? So we're gonna do this. I'm gonna get you this, and um, you'll like this one here. I'm gonna retweet it right now here, okay? So go ahead and refresh. Are you talking about the the Dilbert thing? <laughs> yeah, the well Dilbert. Yeah, Scott Adams is the. <laughs> for those that don't know, he is the creator of Dilbert. Okay. And there you go. Did you see it just come through? Uh yeah, I'm about to, yeah. <laughs> so Scott Scott uh, Scott Adams has this little uh, I guess you'd call it a podcast I don't know if it's a podcast really it's not it's like more like a video cast so he has a YouTube channel and so every day he does a thing where um, he's pretty active on Twitter and then um, he's written a couple books and so um, people um, and so people uh, people watch him every day he does this thing at YouTube and it's pretty popular I've seen a couple of them and it's pretty decent. Uh, but anyways, uh, uh, I don't watch it every day, certainly, but every once in a while, I see. Mm-hmm. So he had one the other day, and what he was doing was he was talking about uh, he was um, he was referencing this uh, he was referencing this uh, it was like a opinion poll, and the opinion poll was uh, it was about whites, and it was like about uh, oh how um, it was about how uh, you know uh, how blacks felt about whites or whatever, and and anyhow, um, I think the poll was like. I forget what it does. I'm not even really well versed on it, but it was like 50% of blacks feel like they 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 wouldn't want to be around whites or something like that. I'm not sure, uh, but it was a racial thing anyhow. And so Scott Adams basically is he's like you know he basically is like you know I'm done with he basically says I don't think he says if blacks he says because he, he comes from that San Francisco background. He kind of comes from that California background. Okay. So where whites need to do what they can do to help for for blacks, you know, white yeah. whites should move into black neighborhoods. Right. We should have affirmative action, right? You know, we need to make sure that, you know, certain we want to have quotas, you know, make sure that the blacks get their fair share. Maybe talk about reparations and all this. <laughs> and and not that he's really into that, but Scott Adams is basically like he says, you know, at this point, he's like I'm done. He's like no more affirmative action. No more going out of our way. He's like, you know, so basically he comes out and he says, he says, um, he says, uh, he came out and he basically said, if blacks want to succeed, then they have all the tools that they ha- that they need to succeed. They we, they know how to do it. They know they have all the resources that they need, and they should just go ahead and do it. And if they're gonna be if they're gonna be a certain way, then. That's by their choice. It's not by. It's not systemic. It's not comes through systems. It's just a choice. And if they want to elevate themselves, they can do so. And that's what he said. Now I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. All right, I'm not here to give my opinion on the whole matter. But it was fascinating because, as you know, he immediately got canceled. Right, Dilbert got pulled from USA Today, and then his book publisher threw him out. And okay, he, he got canceled. And um yeah. and so and then he got called a racist. So everyone on Twitter jumped on him. Oh, you know, and it was in the newspaper. I think it was like, oh, uh, Dilbert Creator comes out with big racist rant, you know. And Scott Adams, who I'm sure has got enough money, he doesn't need to worry about these things anymore. He now is basically, uh, basically just coming out and saying, hey, what did I say that was racist, right? Because he didn't he didn't say anything necessarily racist. What he said was he just said, hey, you know, if you know we we don't need to treat you know, basically, he just came out and said, hey, if you don't feel, you know, you you shouldn't feel like you should have to be around a violent situation. Because he was reacting to school videos. I don't know if you've seen these or not. So they have all these, um, in these videos now, 
they have all these videos on Twitter where it's our fight videos, and uh, it's gotten very popular. And so it's kind of... Uh, Sound like kids fighting each other at high schools and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's hard to tell what's authentic because these kids, and you know what they do. These kids, they're like, oh, I can I can, be, I can get Twitter famous if I fight, you know? So, okay, so I'm going to come up and you, hey, Steve, you know, I think you're a big hokey, man. You know, you stink. And you go, oh, yeah, you know, I think you're, you're a real arrogant, stupid person. And all of a sudden we start punching each other and kicking each other. And then, you know, maybe have your wife, you know, can, 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 can record it. And then we we can you can smash guitar over my head or something you know and then uh, we could uh, play CIA yeah right we could play and then we can put it on Twitter and we could get <laughs> we could be like Twitter famous right and then we could get all we could get all sorts of famous for it right. so we, you never know when these things are happening well this is what happened where Scott Adams was seeing all these videos and he was like every single day I'm on Twitter and every single day I see a black person beating up on a white person and then there's all this violence and so basically he didn't say anything racist necessarily what he was saying was he was saying that if you're in a violent situation and you feel like you need to stay because of you want to be because because you feel you're getting this pressure that you feel like you need to stay because you want to do your part in integrating the races, then you should no longer feel this way. Like you should feel like if you need to move away or you need to separate in order to protect yourself, then that's what you should do. And he was indicating that he himself was going to do that, that he himself was no longer going to do anything to, you know, give any sort of preference that he was just going to react to what he saw with his own eyes. Good. You know, and so that's what he did. And so he's kind of taken this stance now. So uh, uh, where uh, but it's been very interesting to see. I haven't really followed it necessarily because the people that say that uh, he's a racist are never going to change their mind. They're only going to get worse. I mean, so there's nothing you could say that won't make them feel like, you know, he is. And the people that defend him, you know. So now it really is just kind of gone into the area of memes, you know. So now like this post here, you know, it's got a little funny little meme, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just crap posting back and forth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but now it has become like the biggest crap posting kind of thing. But the um, it is kind of an interesting. Uh, uh, it is kind of an interesting um, topic only because there are spaces on Twitter where you do have where a lot of the the, the segregationist the segregation argument has kind of come around full circle, mm-hmm. and uh, and so um, and so. These are all Anons, by the way. Like, these are not, like, you know, these are not actual people. But in the Anon world of Twitter, there are some really fascinating uh, silos in, deep within Twitter over these Anons who pretty much, like, and it, like, it's interesting to read because the whole segregation argument kind of comes around full circle where now people have basically passed, skipped a generation. And so people are like, all right, well, the entire generation before them has been fully integrated. So now they're willing to talk about it again. And so now they talk about it like it's a serious thing, you know, and they go back and forth and they kind of like go back and they, they're like, so you kind of get in these really odd areas. Now I, I kind of observe this cause I feel it's fascinating. I don't take part in it and I certainly don't condone it, but you know, you, it's interesting to look at where you look at these people and then they want to talk about these the, the, these situations and they talk about it in this new way and it's very, very fascinating. I'm looking at this Andy NGO or NGO or whatever. I, I've i heard of his, his name before, I know. I just can't remember exactly how it's pronounced. But y- Yeah. Anyway, he put up guy. something 18 hours ago 
And it says, update, the city of Springfield, Ohio, has released surveillance footage of the elementary school incident from February 10th where white students were held hostage and assaulted on the playground by black students who wanted to force them to pledge allegiance to the BLM movement. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, and, like, Scott reposted this, and he's, like, making things worse. Racist social media algorithms are suppressing the videos of Asian Americans and white kids beating up black people. Uh, That makes the problem appear one-sided. Um. So, yeah, they're playing ag- us against each other. So and- wait, what is he doing now? Is he trying to go the other way now? Yeah. Oh, is that what he's doing? <laughs> okay, that's really interesting. All right. Yeah. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, "What?" But yeah. So, because I was surprised that Andy went one way and then Scott went the other way. Yeah. But either way, what Scott is saying, it the very first thing he says, making things worse. It is. It is. We're we're taking those extremes that we talked about just earlier. Yeah, right? where we were earlier. That's exactly we're right. We're making no, that is, seem normal. That's, that's exactly right. No, and that is exactly right. And so, and I do feel that way as well. I do feel like what happens is there's when you're sharing information that's clipped and shared in a specific way, what it does is it makes moral failings seem like racial failings. Right. Yep. And so, I mean, that's where if you're going to if you're going to have a a video and you're going to share all these videos of, say, for example, black kids, then you say, oh, well, look, it has to do with the color of their skin. Actually, no, I think it's a moral failing, you know, that we all share, you know, that's right. That's right. And so and that goes back to uh, salvation, you know, where we all have the same problem, the same sin problem. We all have the same solution. So but that's right. It becomes a moral failing. And so rather than talk about and people don't want to talk about that, see, because. No, it's much easier to hurl left and right insults. Absolutely, than it is no, to actually sit down and have a logical discussion. It does, and it that it goes back to how easy it is. Is it easy or is it hard? That's where it comes back to, right? So it's exactly right because if you're going to talk about moral failings, well, now you have to talk about moral absolutes, and if you talk about moral absolutes, then you need to start talking about behavior, and if you start talking about behavior, then you need to start talking about personal accountability, and then you need to start talking about sin and feelings and God. And that's where it all leads to. And no one wants to do that. So they just want to talk about things that have no ending point. You know, like there's no like these people like the the Anons and and, and these silos, they they talk about these concepts that I'm not sure what they think the future is going to be like. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they think the what kind of mechanism they think is going to come out of all this. I I have no idea. But I, I, I think that people are so eager to look at these flimsy excuses when it's all comes down to moral failing the problem is is the reason i don't think it's laziness uh or unwillingness to think and have a deeper conversation i think it's realizing that we're dead in the water from the start because of presuppositions which is what we keep talking about yeah we all start from a different presupposition and if you if you don't start from the same point you're 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 doomed from the start. Yeah, you really are. You know, I just retweeted a uh, a tweet from uh, Matthew Legayas here, and uh, he's got the Andrew Tate thing going on. Look at the picture of him. You know, oh. so I don't really know much about Matthew to be honest, uh, but uh, I do know that uh, his picture before looked pretty normal. So he looked like a normal guy to me, and now he's got that Andrew Tate thing. He got the sunglasses, and he's got that like bald head and the 
I don't know. What do you think I should do? Should I go for that thing? I should get like myself a pair of aviators, dark aviators, and you know, trim up the goatee or whatever. I'm saying you're gonna have to do away with the handlebar mustache. I do. I gotta get the handlebar, man. So I should maybe trim down the handlebar and go for like the little, uh, maybe like the little Romanian uh, goatee there and do like the Andrew Tate thing. This tweet's not wrong though, and it's I don't even need a an article to tell me this. Yeah, right. No, I know. But you were talking about presupposition and you're so right. Because if you look at the two ends of the political spectrum, okay, like one end tends to either believe in God or they tend to act like they do at least. And then the other end doesn't believe in God or they if they do, they certainly don't act like it, right? So then yep. you, you have the you have kind of the two sides and what do we get? Right. So the title of the article there uh is um we have Why Are Young Liberals So Depressed? Yeah. Yeah. And it says here, it's listen, it's not just a woman problem because everybody wants to make it women and men and they say young girls are more depressed than men. Really, it, that's true, but it is specifically young liberals, right? Yep. And and here it is. And actually liberal teen boys do much worse than conservative teen girls. Oh, that doesn't I hate to say this. Uh, you know, that's my he'll be sixteen here in a few days. Mm. That's my almost sixteen year old. Man. You know. And he's brainwashed by his other half. You know, the mm. the other half of the parenting equation there. Mm. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally lost, man. Yeah. And He's got no sense of a father figure because he lives with two women. My ex-wife is lesbian. Yeah. Oof. And so this that's why I saw this headline. I'm like, oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I see this. Mm. And it's it's sad. This is why you see – I didn't want to go into this, but suicide rates in teens is unbelievable. Like yeah. from from the cyberbullying that happens. Yeah, yeah, the cyberbullying. That is bullying. like a real thing, man. Yeah, man, it really is. It's I know. sad. Oh boy, it really is. You know, you talk about all the reasons that you homeschool and I homeschool. Oh. Boy, that's in that's in the top right there. No, absolutely. Because they the, these kids won't tell you. Yeah. They will not tell you anything that's going on about this bullying until it's too late. You'll come home from work. Yeah. And, and they're gone. Yeah. Oof. You know, I cannot even imagine, can't imagine that I stuff. Can't imagine it, man. They try to deal with it all on their own, and it does it. not work. No. You know. And it just it doesn't, and and the way that the internet can just amplify everything, you know. Well, it, it does. Look at us as adults. Yeah. Look at how charged up we get. Why? Because we're played against one another. No, nobody's right. nobody's sitting there with a rational voice saying, "Hey, oh, hey, time out." Yeah. Stop right. Stop the train. We're right. all Americans. Yep. Yep actually think about the we're in this together thing and stop using it as a political slogan and really think about that for just a minute here. Mm. Like, mm. we really are all just people. Yeah, right. E- no. Even if you don't want to have a Christian presupposition. Yep. Even if you want to come at it from an evolution standpoint, which, by the way, I find it funny that both of them take faith to um, have, <laughs> whether or not you have an evolution standpoint ah. or a Christian standpoint. But either way, even if you want to come at it from that direction right like we are all people who live in this country we all want the same things right we all want to have freedom we all want to have you know uh, food and a roof over our head and transportation we all have basic needs that we want met it's no different for any one of us why in the world are we here how many years after the civil rights movement still talking about this stuff yeah we're being played against one another well you know the thing is is that even liberals that uh, even liberals that disagree, 
I'm like, look at this guy. I'm going to retweet this guy. Okay, I'm going to retweet. His name is Christopher uh, Icorn. So Christopher Icorn. Um, so uh, uh, he's not a blue check. So he's just a regular guy, like he likes Steve and myself. <laughs> uh, but this guy is honest, and right in here. Let's take a look. When you look at other people as a human being, you're able to have an honest take, like. Christopher. Here, go ahead and read the tweet here. Let's see what Christopher has to say. Oh, he says, I'm a godless liberal who feels very confident I'd be happier if I believed in a God who clearly defined right and wrong, eliminated moral gray zones, and creates an afterlife for me and my family to be together forever in love. Yeah. You know, and he says, honestly, I do feel that this is part of the debate. Yeah. Because this is like liberals and conservatives going back and forth. And so effectively, the this conservative comes out and they're like, yeah, you know, liberals don't believe in God. And if you had God in your life, you would feel a lot better about uh, you, you would be able to have a, you'd feel a lot better about about how things are. And a bunch of liberals came in and they started, you know, just, you know, crud posting on this guy, you know, oh, you're bad. And, you know, God is dead in the whole nine yards. And people are they're just going crazy on him. And this guy comes out and. This guy does the right thing, right? This guy's just honest and says he, he he's not changed his mind. He's he's an atheist, and uh, and uh, but he's able to admit, hey, I'm not as happy as you are, and I understand your point of view. And if I wasn't an atheist and I could bring myself to believe, I would also be happier, right? And who does that responsibility fall on? Yeah. Do you do you place any of that on the church? The what's that now? Do you place any of the blame on him not knowing God, not having the right view of Christianity maybe? Well, it's impossible for me to it's impossible for me to weigh an opinion on that cuz I don't know the man personally. No, but okay, I, in in general from a top-down view, your your estimate on why people generally why the people that steer away from Christianity, why they generally do that. Um, let's see here. Well, I, I'm going to, you know, I just... I have I'm, my own opinion. But. I'm a big believer. I'm sure you do. I mean, I'm a big believer then. Oh, yeah, hey, look at that. So uh, Christopher, he's got 187 followers. Pretty good, right? Pretty good. Big hand clap for Christopher, man, right? Pretty good guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, pretty good. Better than my 13, right. man, right? I, I'm up to 13 now, Steve. I don't know. I'm catching up here. 13. Thir- That's right, man. One day, man, me and me, one day I'm going to be right. hanging out at the, uh, well, I don't know where Christopher hangs out, but wherever he does, we'll be hanging out together. I think that's 14 more than I do. Twitter big shots, man. Well, All right. like I, but uh, here, so Christ, Christians have made um, Christianity seem like there is work to do and it's hard. They've made it seem like it's pious. Uh, and I know that because. Oh, I here, you know what? So, that. you know what? This is a bad thing here. You know, Christopher here. Yeah. I, he lives in St. Louis. Oh boy! Oh boy! It's not too good. It's not good, man. That's it. Hey, man. So Christopher, like, it, just saying. Really hope that you weren't, you know, hanging out, sitting on a street corner. Don't. Okay. So if this you're was two days ago. Street, so when did? That if you're walking down the street, so Christopher, like, I don't really know. Listen. I know it, probably not too used to taking Twitter advice from Twitter people who have like 13 followers, but if he does, if you're walking down the street. And you get your feet are getting kind of tired, and then you, your back kind of hurts because it happens to me sometimes. You know, I'll be walking down the street, and my back kind of hurts sometimes. You get this thought in your mind that you want to sit down on the side of the street, and maybe take a break. Bad, bad city. You know what? This is one of those things. Sometimes in life, you just got to suppress those things. You'll push them way down, and you just got to keep walking. You know, you got to go somewhere. So he's a chief technology officer at a place I don't know, SWWW Law. Wait, or SM, SWMW Law. So he's a chief technology officer at a law firm, 
or database administration, it looks like. Mm. So maybe he's walking by, right? Maybe he's against his mind. You get you put entering all that data into the database, and then your mind gets real tired. So maybe you think if you sit down, you can watch the traffic go by, or maybe you can you know watch the plane go over to the big skyscraper, or whatever it is, and that would be fine. Don't do it, all right? Just keep walking until you get to the law firm, and then don't sit down on the edge of the street. Yeah, it's a it's a bad place to hang out. Yeah, it's not good, man. It's not good. And even so, I mean, even like, you know, get the Indian. So he wants an Indian restaurant near me. And the reason why he wants an Indian restaurant that's close to him is because his favorite Indian restaurant. We feel your pain, pal. All right, Chris? We're here, man. We're here for you. We feel your pain. Indian places all the way across town. And when you leave, you go out of your apartment, you want to get some Indian food, and then you got to walk all the way across the city to get to your favorite Indian place. And then how did you get kind of tired when you're on your way there? And then you want to, you know, so maybe you think about maybe sitting down on a park bench. And then if it's no park bench, you might want to sit down on the side of the street. That's a real bad idea. Don't do that, okay? So the best thing to do is you want to ask people on Twitter if they might want to think about opening an Indian restaurant that's closer to your house. Because <laughs> that way you don't have to walk all the way across the city to get to the Indian restaurant. Clearly, that's not safe. You know, clearly, that is not a safe thing. No. So, right, we want to reach out to Chris and give him a big hand clap and some thanks. <laughs> so if at any point in time, right, if podcasting doesn't work out for Tom and Steve and it's ever not a thing, then we can always move to St. Louis and we can maybe open up an Indian restaurant there. So what do you think, Steve? You're a pretty big fan of Indian food? or I can do Indian restaurant or I could just sell videos. <laughs> you know, maybe. Pick. Pick which angel I want on whatever show. Maybe I don't know. Maybe good. So maybe to open up the we we'll get the hey, Blunderground. That's a pretty good name for an Indian restaurant. What do you think? You know, pretty good. Blunt. I, you can name it whatever you want. Well, no, I was gonna name it. I'm gonna name it. But standards gonna, have clearly just disappeared. It's, it's gonna be. It's gonna be like. I. I. It's gonna be like. Like uh, like I don't know. Like Blunderground Gardens, right? It'll be like the. It'll be the greatest. It'll be the greatest Indian food in all of St. Louis. I think anything gardens works. Anything gardens will be like Blunderground Gardens. That's, that's your, that's your stereotypical name. That would be great, man. Anything it'll be, Indian or it'll be great. Chinese. It's going to be our next. It's going to be great, man. It's going absolutely. So it's going to be our next great podcast. It's going to be Blunderground Gardens. It's all going to be culinary. You are trying to add culinary. Another podcast. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be culinary. We're going to be talking about food. We'll have Indian food, and we'll have all sorts of like different ethnic food, of Italian food and French food, and yeah. oh, it's going to be great. Blunderground Gardens. What do you say, Steve? And Blunderground Railroad gone. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> all right. Well, you can check out all of our podcasts throughout the week. Uh, we have the Blunderground Railroad, where we go from ignorance to knowledge. And we have the Digital Blunderground, and that's friends, fun, uh, music, and fandom, and all sorts of good stuff. Yep. And uh, then we have Notes from Blunderground, where we go through Twitter and talk about some of our favorite items. All right. Well, very good. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time. I am a sick man. I am a spiteful man. I am an unattractive man. I believe my liver is diseased. I felt them positively swarming in me, these opposite elements. They drove me to convulsions and sickened me. I did not know how to become anything, neither spiteful nor kind, neither a hero nor an insect. Now I am living out my life in my corner, taunting myself with the spiteful and useless consolation. 
Even if I had had magnanimity, I should only have had more suffering from the sense of its uselessness. It is only the fool who becomes anything. The whole principle falls into dust. Tom and Steve listen to the spirit of the age. All they hear is notes from Blunderground.